Hey, good morning, Harbor Covenant. Thank you so much for joining us online. Uh, it is so good to be with you guys this morning. If I have not had the chance of meeting you yet, my name is Jonathan. I'm the director of student ministries here on staff, and I'm so excited that we are continuing this series, The Jesus Way. And one thing that I've learned over my many years of life is that there are two kinds of people. There are people who give nicknames, and there are people who receive nicknames. And it is rare that you are both. Usually you're someone where it just comes to you, you give a nickname to somebody, and then it just sticks forever. Or you're someone who there's just something about you, and you just get the nickname, and it sticks on you forever. And there's a possibility that you could get the right nickname at the right time, and that'll last forever. There's also the probability that you will get the wrong nickname at the right time, and that also will last forever. And unfortunately, this is what happened to me. When I was younger, growing up, I had cousins, uh, we just called them the Wenzels, and the Wenzels were all maybe at least 10 to 12 years older than me. Um, there was a big age gap between me and the Wenzels, and they loved to give out nicknames whenever they could. Anytime something happened, if there was a possibility for a nickname, they were there and ready to go. And when I was growing up, everybody just called me Johnny. So I wasn't Jonathan, I was Johnny. And I remember that the Wenzels, their whole family, they had a boat and they took us and our whole family, extended family out on the lake one day. And I, I thought this was the greatest thing ever. As like a seven, maybe eight year old, I was like, man, we get to be on the water. This is crazy. We're zooming around. I had really never been on a boat before because you know we weren't living in Washington where apparently everybody has a boat. And so I was just having the time of my life. We were doing tubing and all this fun stuff. And eventually we get to this part in the lake where uh, the, the captain or my uncle, he drops anchor and he was like, hey kids, if, if you wanna jump off the side of the boat, now's the time to do it. We're just gonna hang out here and swim for a bit. And I was like, oh, what? We, we get to jump off this thing? So not only have been riding around all day on a boat, which was awesome, now I get to jump off the boat? I was like, this is, this is the greatest day of my life. I, as a child, do not think I showed more physical excitement for anything than in being told you can now jump off the boat. So I'm like, I'm getting ready. I go back as far as I can. I'm like, I'm gonna get a running start and just launch myself off this boat. And I go and I run as fast as I can. And if you know this about boats, and if you are a boat person, you know that the floor of a boat, fun fact, it can get wet because you're on water. And when it gets wet, it's really hard to keep traction and to keep running. Um, so I'm running on this boat and it's like a cartoon moment where my foot slips out from underneath me. I land in a puddle and I slide off the side of the boat. And everybody in our family think it's the funniest thing ever. They are laughing, they're dying. I'm mortified and embarrassed. I get up and climb back into the boat and one of my cousins, the Wenzels, was like, oh man, you fell in a puddle, you had a wet butt. Your new name is Johnny Wet Butt. And I was like, I don't get it. And they're like, oh no, no, dude, when you slipped, you fell in a puddle, your butt got wet, and then you slid into the water, you are Johnny Wetbutt. And I, I, I wish I could be lying. To this day, as a 27 year old, if I see the Wenzels, they will say hi to me as Johnny Wetbutt. They're like, you slipped, you had a wet butt, you're now Johnny Wetbutt. 
Fun fact, uh, they also call me Johnny Corn Nut. Why? Because I liked corn nuts as a kid. Like, so I was one of those people that got the wrong nickname at the right time, and it has just lasted forever. But I think all of us probably have had these moments where we've seen somebody or we've been identified by someone, maybe in a way that we don't want to be identified. Right? Someone gives you a nickname, someone gives you an attribute, and you're like, oh man, that's, that's not me. That's not who I am. That's not what I, I do. And today we're going to be talking about an attribute that has been given to the church that is one that I think we all don't want to have. Where a lot of people outside of the Christian faith, they look at the church and they think, man, Christians are judgmental. There was a study done a few years back for people with the ages of 16 to 29, and 90% of that study had conveyed in one manner or another that they thought Christians were judgmental. And I think this is an identifying factor that has been put on us that we don't want to have. And I think there's a moment to be honest and say, yeah, in the past, the church has been really judgmental. And that title has been given onto us with probably some validity. But today, us members of Harbor Covenant Church, man, that's not what we want to be known as. That's not how we want to be looked upon. And yet, that is such a big part of the way that the world views the church is judgmental. And the ironic part of that is, is that our whole culture now is pretty judgmental. Like, it doesn't take long to judge somebody when you're out and about, when you're on the road. Maybe you've seen someone who used to be like me, not anymore, who used to be like me and would get stressed about on the roundabouts. And you would see somebody stressed out, not able to get off, and you'd be like, wow, that person's a fool. I'm not like that anymore, everybody. I've grown in the year and a half that I've been here. But we make a quick judgment. Hey, you're not doing that well enough. You're a fool. You see somebody at work who's maybe not working as hard as you did or you would like to, and you're like, man, that person's lazy. That's a quick judgment. Maybe your kids don't respond to you in the way that you want them to respond. You're like, man, this kid's spoiled. And we make these quick judgments, and they just become a part of our second nature. It is really deeply rooted in us now as people to be judgmental. We do it without thinking. And so today, Jesus is going to be talking about this idea of judgment and of judging. And we need to be asking the questions as followers of Jesus, what is the Jesus way of judging? What is the Jesus way of judging? And so if you're following along with us, we've been in the Gospel of Matthew. We've been specifically looking at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus's most famous sermon in all of his teachings and all of our record of his writings. And today, Jesus is starting to close up his Sermon on the Mount. So if you have a Bible, I would encourage you, open up to Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to be starting in verse 1. But to give a little bit of context first, what we need to understand is that when we hear the word judge or judgment or judging, that should arise a little bit of tension in us as believers. Because the idea and the topic of judgment is extremely biblical and holy all throughout Scripture. Right? We see in the Old Testament, there's a whole book of the Bible called Judges, where God raised people up to judge Israel and then redeem them. That was their whole purpose. That was their political structure at the time where people raised to judge. Right? We see Jesus on the cross dying and receiving the judgment for our sins that we have committed so that we could have redemption and salvation. When we think of judgment, we should also think of our own redemption. 
We see the Apostle Paul in his epistles judge the other churches for ways that they're not living in holiness. You see this in Corinthians a lot when they are totally misusing and misrepresenting the Lord's Supper. Paul calls them out. He judges them for the way that they're acting and calls them into better action. And at the end of our time, when we enter into eternity in heaven, each of us is going to have to stand before Jesus and God the Father and the Spirit, all the one triune God, and we are going to be judged for our actions, our thoughts, and our words. The things that we did and the things that we didn't do, we're going to be judged for them. And not judged in the sense of, am I worthy enough to enter into heaven? but judged in the sense of we're going to be held accountable for everything that we did here on this side of eternity. Judgment is deeply holy and biblical when we think about it. And so we're going to be talking about a topic that is really important to the Christian faith and the Christian understanding of who God is. The other part that I want us to remember as we dive into this passage is the last week, the passage right before this was all talking about worry and anxiety and the core of that message that Jesus is getting in. Is he saying, hey, in the kingdom of God, worry and anxiety don't get the prominent place because we follow a God who's going to provide for us. Our God provides our food and our clothing and our well-being. And so that God provides for us. They provide for everybody. And it kind of brings up this idea to initiate of How do we judge someone when the same God that is providing for me is also providing for them? And so turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. I'm starting in verse 1 and it says this, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So Jesus starts a really clear statement. He says, do not judge. But he doesn't say, do not judge ever. He says, do not judge because that same judgment will then be put on you, right? Jesus is encouraging his his readers and his listeners saying, hey, the judgment that you give others is going to be returned and measured back onto you. Another way of saying this is that in the kingdom of God, judgment is consistent and fair. And we live in a world where we can look around and there's a lot of unjust judgments, both in the relationships personally, also just even in our judicial system and the way our nation was formed and the way the world operates, there are so many judgments that go on that are unjust and unfair and inconsistent. But in the kingdom of God, that is not the case. When we judge, it is going to be fair and consistent. So if we're gonna go out and judge the world, we need to be ready to receive a same equal and fair judgment upon ourselves either from the people we're judging or from God himself. There is no room for inconsistent and unfair judgments. And I think we've even heard it said before that, man, if you love somebody, you're going to tell them the truth no matter what. Right? If you love someone, you're, you're going to be honest and you're going to call them out because that's, that's what love is. And there's, there's a tension in that and there's some validity in that. But we got to remember when we judge somebody and we're saying we're doing it out of love and then we can't receive the same judgment back also out of love, then we've created something that does not belong in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is fair and is consistent. And then Jesus moves on. He says this in verse 3. He says, And why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me 
Take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, this is a pretty common passage that we hear people bring up when it comes to judging. Right? It's, it's not uncommon for us to hear this. And it's important because Jesus is making it very clear. Hey, there is sin in your own life. And if you are going to judge somebody about their sin, while that is still a part of your own being, about who you are, then it's hypocritical and it's ironic. And it's not okay. In the kingdom of God, Jesus is saying, hey, we are not going to judge others for sins that we are still committing. And yet we see this in the church all the time. It's kind of like when we see members of the church uh, judge the LGBTQ community while ignoring the sexual sin and immorality within their own church congregation, right? It's like when we see the church judging people for not tithing enough while ignoring all the poor financial decisions the church leadership has been making. It's like when the church judges people for not giving or not, or not serving enough and yet ignores the fact that they haven't gone out to their community to serve the people who need them. It's hypocritical. And we see this all the time. And to be honest, these examples don't really relate with Harbor Covenant. I think we've done a really great job at being a welcoming, judgment-free place where we do go out into the community and we can say, hey, we, we do these things really well. But I think we also have to remember that as a congregation, man, we're not perfect. We are broken people creating a broken community, doing our best to live faithfully. But if all we ever do is tell ourselves how we're doing it well and we don't self-reflect as a congregation and say, hey, what do I need to prune? What do I need to improve on? What is, what is not right right now? Then it's going to become a really big temptation to start looking at other churches and think they should be doing it like us. We're doing it perfectly. Harbor Covenant is a great community and I love it here. But let's not fall into the temptation of thinking we're the church doing everything right. Because that's going to create these hypocritical judgments that Jesus is clearly talking about. And he's talking to people who are religious leaders in the church in the first century. And I've also was thinking, I, I really, um, usually when I hear this passage, we kind of just stop it there. Right? We talk about, hey, don't take, like, don't look at the sawdust in my eye, take the plank out of yours. Boom, don't judge me, done. And then we kind of end it. Like we kind of just leave it there. But I've started to think, I wonder if Jesus was using this imagery because imagine if someone had taken that next step and they're like, yeah, you're right. I have a plank in my eye. Let me take it out. Man, and they go through the pain and they go through the trials and they go through the tribulation of removing sin from their life that is hindering their relationship with God. They take that plank out and then they see somebody with the sawdust in their own eye. And I find it so hard to believe that anybody who has gone through Jesus redeeming and removing sin from their life to look at somebody else struggling with the same thing that they were and cast judgment upon them. Instead, I think that would just create compassion and hope. They would see somebody. Maybe you've been there and you've seen someone. You're like, hey, I know exactly what you're going through. I've been there. God redeemed me and he healed me. He had mercy on me. He can do the same for you. He can remove that piece of sawdust. He can heal you. He can give you new life. He can give you a second chance. And I know this because I've been there. I've experienced it. I've had the same pain in my own eye and I've had it removed by the grace of God. I think in the kingdom of God, judgment is overcome by hope. 
I think if we're a community that has taken the time to remove sin from our life and we see someone struggling with the same thing, we don't turn and cast judgment. I mean, we cast out hope and say, hey, God can redeem. God can heal. God can fix this. I know I've seen it. Come, join us. Let me help. And then Jesus finishes off this passage with this verse. He says, don't give to dogs what is sacred and do not throw your pearls to pigs. And if you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. And this is where this passage just gets weird. It feels, it feels out of nowhere. It feels like a huge right turn. And if we don't take the moment to kind of pause and sit in it, we would just skim through this verse and be like, all right, cool. Jesus just talked about something random. And then we'll move on to the next passage. Instead, I think what we need to see here is Jesus is this whole time that he's talking about judgment. He's been very cautious. Hey, don't do it if you don't want it done back to you. He's saying, hey, if you do it and you're not addressing yourself, you're being hypocritical. Don't do that. But then we see him here compare judgments to something sacred and judgments to something like pearls. And I think what's important here is remembering that Jesus is still saying, hey, the standards of God and the way that he calls us and the cost of discipleship is still really important. He's not saying, hey, don't judge people. Don't hold anybody's standards. We're just going to ignore all the things that God calls us to. We're, we're not going to address them. If someone's doing something, maybe we don't think we shouldn't. We're just going to act like they're not and, and we're going to move on. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, the, the judgments, the truth, the reality of what God calls us to is sacred and it's holy. It's like a pearl. And we don't want to just throw that out and let it be trampled and despised so people don't want to hear about who Jesus is. And they don't want to hear what God has in store for them. I think we need to remember that there are times when Jesus calls us to speak and there are times where he calls us to be silent. Jesus is encouraging his disciples saying, hey, this is a holy, biblical, important truth. These are pearls to us. Don't throw them out. And so the people trample and then tear you to pieces and lose faith in God altogether. I think so if we had to answer this question, what is the Jesus way of judging? I think it would be this. Judgment of the kingdom of God is handled with careful consideration. Judgment in the kingdom of God is handled with careful consideration consideration. And I know, because I've been on the flip end, when people haven't handled judgment with careful consideration. A few years ago, probably I think 2021, was January, it was my birthday, right? January 17th, my birthday, I was excited, uh, I was having a great time, and I got the call that my grandma had passed away. We called her Mimi. And now on birthdays, I just feel, you know, a little weird. Like, I'm excited, but I'm also mourning, fun place to be. But Mimi passed away in, on my birthday, and this really was the first major death that my family had experienced. And my extended family, they're not really believers. They don't have a faith. And so I was really worried. I was like, I don't know how they're going to respond to a big death like this without having the same kind of feelings that I have of hope in Jesus. I didn't know. So I remember getting this call, and I remember eventually going home and checking in on my mom and my dad and my family, going to go see my, my aunts. Um, and one of my aunts comes up to me, and she says, Hey, Jonathan, is Mimi in heaven? And in, in all honesty, this question caught me off guard. And to be honest, I really don't know. I don't know where Mimi stood with Jesus. I don't know what her relationship with him was like. But I saw my aunt hurting 
desperately and looking for some sort of hope. And so I responded saying, uh, I think she's in a better place. Yes. And that's how I responded. And I left that counter encounter like really kind of torn up. I was like, actually, I don't know if that was the best way to respond. I don't know if I said the right thing. And even to this day, I still question it. Like, was that, was that the right thing to say? But um, I was processing this with a couple of interns that were working with us that year. And I told them this whole story. And they were done listening. And then a few weeks later, we were in a, a team meeting and somehow it came up that they started to question whether or not I knew who Jesus was because of the way that I had responded to my aunt. And their reasoning was, had you really known who Jesus was, like you would have stood firm on the truth and you would have told your aunt, probably not. And this is what they're telling me. And what they didn't know is that this aunt has struggled with addiction and suicide her whole life. What they didn't know is that I looked at my aunt, I was genuinely terrified that if I answered the wrong way that she would take her own life. They didn't ask these questions. But in hearing a statement that I had made, and even me questioning if that was the right statement or not, they cast a judgment on me, wondering if I actually knew who Jesus was, and if I was really a follower and a believer. And while God did a lot of great things during that year that those interns were there with us, it is really hard for me to remember them when that is the strongest memory. Judgment in the kingdom of God has to be handled with careful consideration. Because if we don't, it can cause so much more damage than any good that it could do. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying when he says, hey, the pigs and the dogs, they're going to tear on you and they're going to trample these pearls. We need to be careful. And so that's kind of my first encouragement. If we're going to be people who judge the way the kingdom of God with careful consideration, our first step is we need to be careful. And this word, it really gets overplayed. And I think a lot of times when we hear the word careful, we think, okay, I can't be rash, make sure nobody gets hurt, and I'm just going to play it safe. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to really do anything um, too dangerous. But I want to look at the core of this word, careful, just meaning we're going to be full of care. Like, imagine you, we as a community, we see somebody who is hurting, they're struggling with sin, they can't get it out of their life, they're acting in a way that we don't agree with, and rather than judge, jumping to judgments, our initial response is, man, I'm going to care for this person so fully that nothing else is going to matter. That I'm going to put their needs first. And I'm going to meet with them and I'm just going to listen. And I'm going to love on them. I'm going to be a person so full of care for them that if I ever get to encourage them or help them move to the next step or move away from this sin, it's actually not going to be anything out of judgment. It's going to be done out of care. As a community, what if we were full of care? We were careful with the people around us. And the second thing I would encourage us to do is, let's say there's a situation. There is somebody or there's something that you feel you, you need to speak up on. Maybe you're feeling the tug of the Holy Spirit. You have to say something. You, you can't go on not saying, not encouraging, not trying to rebuking or judging or bringing somebody back. My encouragement to you then is, please bring somebody else in first. Bring someone who in this topic, this area that you feel you need to speak on, that you think, man, they are above reproach. Nobody's going to question that they would have this as a part of their life. And ask them and share with them and be like, look, is this in my life? 
Is this something that I'm doing? Is there something that I'm not missing? You know me, you know this topic. Can you make sure that I'm not being hypocritical? Because even if we took that step and said, hey, before I judge anybody, I'm actually gonna make sure that I'm the one not being hypocritical, that would just eliminate any sense of like, hey, this is coming from an evil place or it's hypocritical or it's unfair or it's unjust, it's inconsistent. It's like, no, I had myself judged first before I said anything because I wanted to make sure that I was judging in a way that was honoring to God. I wanted to be careful and I wanted to consider this. Bring somebody else in. Man, because imagine if Harbor Covenant continues to be a place where we are judgment-free, where we're taking the time and the opportunity to be careful and to examine ourselves first, the way that people would start describing this community is continue. Like, they'd be like, this place is warm, judgment-free, it's welcoming, it's full of compassion and hope and mercy. And those are attributes that will change Gig Harbor for the better. And those are attributes that if people identified on us, we would happily take on. Those are nicknames that we would wear with a badge of pride and honor. Because when people are welcomed in and they get the sense that, hey, this is a judgment-free place where you can be yourself, and then they get to hear the message of Jesus Christ, who loved them and died for them and gave up everything so that they could have a second chance, that's when life change happens. That's the mission of the church. That's the Jesus way. And so as we end our time today, I have three questions that I want you to consider. And the first is this, how has judgment come up in your own life? Is it something that you've received or is it something that you've given? What was that like? Question two is this, how can you be full of care for someone who is different than you? How can you go out of your way to care for someone who's different? And my last question is this, what is one thing that your small group can do to create a more welcoming and warm environment here at Harbor Covenant Church. Hi, thanks for watching. The people of Harbor Covenant Church really want you to know the love that God has for you want to grow with you in faith, and want to serve alongside you, not only to help others do the same, but also to make our families and our communities better. If that sounds like something that you can get on board with, then like, follow, and drop us a comment in the video. Watch some more videos on our channel or come visit us on Sunday. You can find out more about Harbor Covenant Church at harborcove.church.